listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, New Chapel. As the buckets are still passing through, it's all good. Uh, This is our first message in our new series called Sizzlin' Summer. And uh, our big arc of the story with Sizzlin' Summer is that God has moved at New Chapel during this past school year. In fact, I will say uh, in the year 2023, it has been our most fruitful year yet. We've had more salvations and baptisms and life change than in any other year of this church. Uh, it, is, it is awesome to see God on the move. Amen? I want to read for you a scripture verse that I think really is telltale for where we're at as a church. I've read this, and it speaks to me. I think it'll speak to you. Zechariah chapter 2. The Bible says this, shout and celebrate. That'd be a good opportunity for a little whoop whoop. Come on. Okay. <laughs> We'll help later. Okay, shout and celebrate. I'm on my way. I'm moving into your neighborhood. God's decree. Many godless nations will be linked up with God. They will become my family. I'll live in their homes. And you'll know for sure on this mission, God will reclaim his Judah inheritance. Verse 13, something's afoot in his holy house. He's on the move. Can I hear an amen on that one? So we've seen God do incredible things, and this summer we've got some really incredible plans for you, but uh, as I think about like where I'm at uh, as a pastor, where we're at as a church, I'm so encouraged, but it's also paired with a little bit of concern. Let me tell you why. I don't want us to be like every other church in western Michigan and just peace out during the summer and go to Grand Haven. I don't want us to lose the ground that some of us have taken in our finances, in our marriage, and in, in, in God being active in our homes. I don't want us to lose ground simply because, and I get it, the weather is paradise right now. I mean, like literally para, 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 paradise, Coldplay, you're welcome. It is so deceiving. We love Michigan this time of year. It fools us into staying here for the winter. We are awful. And, and so... I understand how you feel, but I don't think that we just take down the volume of everything during the summer and be like, see after Labor Day. I think New Chapel needs to make this a sizzling summer. Who's with me on that? Yeah. Uh, here's some of just the programming we have coming up in the next six weeks or so. Uh, today, actually, we're starting a small group, uh, a summer small group done a little bit differently than we normally do, and it is New Chapel Grow. Now, New Chapel Grow is an ideal group for those of you that want more about your faith. You want to understand more about it. Now, you might have been saved for decades, or you might be new to the faith. And and either way, this is going to fill in gaps for you to help you understand what God is saying in his word. And, And let me just say, this is my love letter to people who are like, I don't know what he's talking about. If you've ever been in church and you're like, I agree with everything Pastor just said, I just don't know any of it, you know. I wrote this for you because I come, from, <laughs> I come from the North Country, everybody, where I needed the cookies on the bottom shelf to understand what they were saying. And so we made this simple enough. So if you're a new believer, it'll really make sense for you. But also, if you've been a believer for 20 years, it's a challenge. Now, it starts today. But... I give you absolution, my son. (laughs) You can come today, just show up. And if you just hate the whole idea of it, you don't have to stay. You can leave, and because you didn't sign up, nobody's going to be calling you up on that. But the idea is you can experience it. 
we will be providing lunch for not only you, but your kids that are checked in back and new kids, they can stay back there. And uh, this is going to be a group that helps fill in the gaps. And so New Chapel grows pretty great. Everybody say, yeah. Uh, the next thing I want to tell you about is student culture. Now, people have asked, Pastor Joe, are you keeping youth ministry going during the summer? And the answer is, of course, we told you we were starting a youth ministry. And so youth is the second Wednesday of every single month. And if you have a middle school or high school student, you need to bring them out for this. And I think especially it's important during the summertime. Let me tell you why. Uh, some of the worst sins I committed in my life were during a summer in high school. And so, um, you know, they're in a spot where some of their regular relationships they see every day at school, they're not with them. And they're in a spot of isolation in some circumstances. And, uh, and that's the time where some of the bad influences roll in. I say that summer needs to be an opportunity for our young people to make godly relationships and bring friends to youth. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? So student culture, it's happening on uh, actually June 14th is the day. Doors open at 630. And then, of course, the series that we're in, Sizzling Summer, which is really a journey. Uh, so next week, everybody say next week. Uh, next week, we're going to have Dan Seaborn with us. He's the leader of a, yeah, come on. He's the leader of a ministry called Winning at Home. And so if you're like a 17, 18-year-old and you're, you're thinking about someday I'm going to be married and someday I'm going to have kids, you need to come. If you are a parent, you need to come. If you're a bad parent, you especially need to come. If you have kids at home, you don't have kids at home. If you're a, if you're a grandparent, you need to be here. I've admired Dan Seaborn's ministry for a long time. This guy has the edge on family. And so make time to be here. And I think it's a great opportunity. It's a plus one weekend to bring other people. Maybe that you know or don't know that maybe they just need information. But it, it's going to go deep in marriage and family. And we need that as a church. Now, the week after that, our good friend, Pastor Gabe George, is going to be here. Yeah. Uh, now, Gabe, uh, he... Uncle Gabe at this point. Uh, Uncle Gabe, he comes in and everybody loves him. He has these stories that take you on a journey and it's both super shallow and super deep, no mid-tones, okay? And, uh, and as, he, as he preaches the Bible, nobody like him. I've ever been able to see this. He really brings it to life with some of those, some of those wild stories he has. So June 18th, he's going to be here with his whole family. Uh, but that's also Father's Day, which is our dads and grads event. So, Dad, you might have thought you were going to go golfing. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. <laughs> in fact, kids, if your dad thought that he was going golfing, I give you permission to straight up, Liam Neeson, taken style, grab him. You even have absolution. Like, you can lie and be like, yeah, we're going golfing, you know, and take him to church. Uh, I give you permission. That's a fib, not a lie. It's a big difference. And here's the big idea. We're going to celebrate dads as big as moms. Some churches go so light for dads, and they go all out for moms. Man, I'm telling you what, we're going we're gonna to go big for dad. We have gifts for dad. We have donuts and coffee for dad. And on that day, we're going to be celebrating all of our graduates. So if you have a young person in your home, or maybe you are a young person who's graduating from high school or college, I need you to do something for me. Sign up online at newchapel.com slash dadsandgrads, the word and. Or you can go back to guest services and sign up your, your senior in high school or your graduate from uh, college because we want to recognize the hard work that they put in. And I also think this is important. Tell me if you think it's important, but they're going out into the world. I think that they need a blessing on their life and some prayer from their church while they're going out to the Wild West. Anybody? Yeah. And so sign them up. Let's pray for them on our dads and grads event. And then the week after that, get excited if you know them. Pastor Eric is going to be preaching. It's going to be pretty cool. 
That's on the 25th, and uh, his stories are so wild. In fact, I'm going to say it because whatever, I have, a, I have a microphone. He's writing a book right now with all of his mission stories in it, and that's exciting. So you don't want to miss that. It's going to be a great day. All of the sizzling summer journey is leading us to an event that we call Living in Freedom. Living in Freedom is a big event that we do on Independence Day weekend every single year. You say, well, Pastor Joe, how did that all start? Well, in 2020, Nebuchadnezzar tried to shut down the churches. <laughs> That's how I want my epitaph to read, by the way, at my funeral. You know, it starts there, you know. Uh, so uh, that wicked, wicked person tried to shut down uh, the churches. And uh, we were the last in Grand Rapids to close. And they said, hey, 14 days to flatten the curve. We were like, all right, aye, aye. Well, we were the first to open up. We were down for just a matter of weeks. And we opened up a drive-in church. And so, like, the default for Independence Day weekend was drive-in to freedom. And it was awesome. Now, in future years, we had what we called living in freedom. And the reason why we did that is because when we did drive-in to freedom, we done cooked everybody and we nearly killed Barclay. And so uh, we brought it inside, and we have two services, the 9 and 11, just like normal. But after both of those services... Uh, there is going to be a huge event with the inflatables and carnival games, free lunch for everybody, and then big raffles. So we raffle off uh, bikes for your kids, which is kind of cool, a trip to Great Wolf Lodge, and then, of course, an AR-15 rifle because the Lord. And so, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> that day is, uh, is a pretty amazing day. There'll be some patriotic elements to the service and a message right out of the Bible. If you know Justin Barclay, he's a man of God, and we are honored to have him be a part of this church. More on living in freedom. Yeah, why not? Let's celebrate him. <laughs> Only guy that can make you blush. Uh, more on living in freedom in just a minute. But I want to talk today about uh, really the presence of God and how it's found in our relationships. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, if Jesus was to walk in those doors in the back and uh, we would just be like, oh my gosh, Jesus, it's you. Uh, this is amazing. Do you want to take the pulpit? Uh, tell everybody how your spiritual life is. Like the word spiritual life. I think it would take him off guard. Of course, he's God, so he'd know what I was saying, but, but let's not go down that trail. But, but he'd be like, spiritual life? What is that? Everything is spiritual. Everything we do, there's no neutral ground. There's spiritual implications on everything that we do. And so when I list off all of these activities that we have going on, we're not a rec center. I didn't plant New Chapel to be uh, an event organization to put on big events. It's, it's not about that. The purpose in all of this is relational. And I know this, that there's power when we come together. Relationship, fellowship, worship, uh, power is released when the church of Jesus comes together. Say amen, somebody. Yeah. Write this down. When God's people gather, his presence is there. And so our gathering is a huge deal. Us being together is massive. And so I think about that chapter in Genesis, Genesis 2. God is, is creating the world in Genesis 1. He's saying, you know, light be and earth be, and he's separating the earth from the night, and he's creating the water. And everything that he's saying, he's kind of patting himself on the back after each step. He's like, and that's good, <laughs> and that's good, <laughs> and I like that too, you know? And, and everything's good, 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 good. But, but the first mention of anything in the Bible before sin, the first mention of anything that he says is not good, is this, in Genesis 2.18, God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. God created Adam 
and said, it's not right that he doesn't have a partner. I thank God because I'm a man who can admit I need help, and that's why God gave me Kaya. But, but I'm thankful for help in the form of marriage, but I'm thankful for help from the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for, thankful for help from other relationships, and I've realized that even though I'm a person who, uh, when I get up here, I'm, I'm connecting with everybody, and I love it, and I love talking to people. I hate texting, but I love talking to people, and I'll talk your ear off. We'll, we'll talk all night. I'm country. But in, in all of that, I don't want to lose the fact that God is relational, and we have to build this thing, yes, of course, numerically, but, but we don't want to build the church just numerically. We want to build this church relationally, and that matters to God, and it matters that we do it that way because outside of that, there's, there's not any power. So when, when mankind is lonely, and as much of an introvert as I am, that, that isolation is not a godly thing. Now, I'm recharged in solitude, but I can't stay in solitude. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so what I've realized is that this, this relationship, Christian fellowship, this togetherness, it is massive to God. When we find ourselves in loneliness or we find ourselves in isolation, God says it cannot be that way. We need the help. Amen, somebody? Something powerful happens when we get together. Matthew's gospel, if you would, Matthew 18. Jesus says these words. He says, where, where two or three are gathered. Everybody say the word gathered? Gathered together in my name. Let's say the next part together in my name. One, two, three. I am there in the midst of them. And so Jesus is not discounting his personal presence in your life. That's not what he's doing. He's not saying that he's not with you. But what he's saying is that there's a greater awareness of his presence. There's a greater expression of his presence when the church gets together and it gathers it gathers when it gets together. And, and, and listen, God is there when you're praying in private, but there's something about when you get with other people and you're holding hands and we're attacking a prayer need together, that, that, that faith rises, that presence is a felt thing. I like how the Apostle Paul, when he's reading in the Bible, some of his like sign-offs on the epistles or even some of his intros, he'll say something in so many words like this. He'll say, I wish I was there with you. And some people say, well, shucks, he's just, you know, wish I was with you, you know, is the kind thing to say. But Paul's not just saying something kind. What he's saying to these churches is, hey, you remember what it was like when we were together, how, how there's a power in all of that. And, and when we get together, supernatural things, significant things, powerful things happen when the church gathers. Amen, somebody? It makes me think about Paul later, uh, him and Silas. Uh, they were preaching the good news gospel, and, uh, and they were arrested. They went to the slammer, and, and word got out to their family and friends, to the church house. And, and so they put out a bulletin. They were like, look, we need to get to the church now. We're having a prayer meeting. It's an emergency prayer meeting. Let's go. And if you read that narrative in the book of Acts, here's what you're not going to read. Hey, Paul and Silas got arrested. Let's put out an email and let everybody know we have a prayer need. Hey, uh, let's, let's make sure everybody's aware on, the, uh, on the, the prayer chain that we have a prayer need. No. It says we need to get together on this thing. We need, to, we need to combine our faith. We need to hear what's going on and have a, a strong prayer point about Paul and Silas. And the rest of that story is pretty clear. The Bible says that, that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns and spiritual songs and that the whole prison shook. Now, some of you who are from a spirit-empowered background, you're like, oh, worship was so powerful. I was just shaking. Buddy, it's a different thing when the building shakes. Okay, that's a... <laughs> That's the presence of God. And, and so it's important. It's important that we make place to come together. We have to make place. In busy seasons, we have to make place for church. 
in stressful seasons, we have to make place for church. Y'all look at me. I love you. In summer, you have to make place for the gathering of the saints. The reason why some of you are here and your church has done closed and folded up shop is because of the boldness of a church that doesn't close its doors. Don't quit on us now. We need to show this community what God is doing. He's still on the move. Say amen, somebody. You were drawn here because of a boldness. Be bold with us. Be bold in this process because there's something powerful and spiritual that happens in our lives when we gather. That's why we put together these events and these small groups. And, and the curriculum's great. I love New Chapel Grove. The curriculum is 10 out of 10. I know. I wrote it. Okay? But it's more important to me that you learn it with other people. You're going to be in conversation with other people, and they're going to say a question that you're like, oh, my gosh, I thought I was the only human on earth that ever had that question. And you'll find out that other people had the same. And, and there's comfort in that. My dad was born in 1939. Uh, ironically, I was the only planned child. I like to remind all of my siblings of that. But uh, when he came about, he was 47. And so I grew up with a little bit older of a dad. And I remember he was in his late 50s, and we had gone down to Augusta, Georgia. My dad's good friend, we called him Uncle Lon, had a golf course down there that he owned. And, and to this day, I've never played golf. I, I can drive a mean golf cart. I can even drive that big old thing that picks up all the balls in the driving range. I've driven that myself, but never played golf. But we'd go down there during spring break, and uh, my dad was in his late 50s, and they're around a bonfire, and, and dad says to Uncle Lon, gosh, you know, uh, uh, the bed was just wonderful, so comfortable. I slept through the night for the first time in a long time. He said, why, why haven't you been sleeping? He said, oh, you know, late 50s, I got to get up every once in a while and go, go use the... And Uncle Lon goes, you too? And they start talking about that, and that's an old man story, but <laughs> there's nothing like knowing somebody else is going through the same thing as you. And I think it's important that that relational component is active even in the group. We don't do the group just for the group. We do the group for the group. Yeah. Tweet that. <laughs> Uh, it's one of the reasons why we don't do online church. We did it for a while. We weren't very good at it, to be honest, but everybody's doing online church, and I had somebody come up to me during the summer. Let's go, oh, I just loved church last week. Oh, did you, what'd you like about it? Well, you know, we, we propped up uh, our phone on the dashboard of our boat, and we were all just swimming, and we were just listening to everything. And buddy, listen, I, I got nothing against listening to Pastor Joe's podcast on the dash of your boat while you're swimming, but don't fool yourself. You didn't have church. Church is not a TV show that we put on. I'm not acting. There's something about us coming together, that togetherness that is spiritual. And you have to engage in worship. And you have to hear this message in the room. It's different. It's different. And there's a lot you can get off from a recording. But there's something that God can do when you're in the room. There's been times I've been preaching. And you thought your mind was just straying. But actually, that was the Holy Ghost that was directing your mind to resolving another thing. See, I'm preaching. And you're hearing what I'm saying. But you're hearing what God has to say to you. And it matters. Say amen, somebody. It makes me think about those people that, you know, they, they put a, a, a YouTube video of a fireplace on their TV, which is fine. You know, that's fine. You're opening presents on Christmas morning. But it's a whole nother thing if you got dad trying to heat up next to them. It's cold. You know what I mean? That's online church. It's fake. It's not real life. Tweet that. It's not real. You need to be in the room. Say amen, somebody. Now, I'm not against vacations. I'm taking a vacation, but let me just tell you something. First, uh, I've been watching all these videos about Branson, Missouri. I'm taking the whole, we're, we're commuting the crazy to Branson. 
We're going to Silver Dollar City, which if you would have gone uh, back in time and told the teenage Joe Bevilacqua, hey, you're going to have a vacation in Branson, Missouri, I would have laughed my head off at you because every reason. But uh, So I'm watching all these videos, and you might be like, well, Pastor Joe, perfect. You watch all those videos. You don't even have to go there. You see, it's not the same. You have to experience it. You have to go there with everybody, you know? I mean, the, the, the first time our family took a big family vacation, I mean, we're inside this little RV driving down the road. Frank starts barfing everywhere. You got to be there for that, you know? You have to watch a travel video. Dad life. Churches do a great disservice to the body of Christ by augmenting Christianity with a TV show. It's not church. You need to be in the room. Psychiatrists say that the number one longing of a person's heart is to have a connection, real feeling and connection, a family relationship. And that's true. I believe it's in us from, from birth. Uh, from birth, my daughter is so different than my boys. All of my boys are just rugged individualists, very, yeah. And, and, and then my daughter came out. I never knew I needed a daughter. I needed a daughter. And she came out. She's so sweet. And she'd be lining up all of her little dolls. And she's having a little tea. I've, had, I've sat at more teas than I'd like to admit. And, She'd be sitting there, and she's talking and, like, pinky out the whole deal. We're t- from birth, it's in them. Yeah. It's, it's something that's a part of us. And I think about some of you that are pet owners, happy pet owners, of which I'm not, by the way. But um, <laughs> it's a long story. It should be a message. But uh, you didn't buy that dog with your hard-earned money to feed that dog way more expensive food than a dog should be eating with your hard-earned money to run food through that dog so it leaves piles in your yard so that on your free time, you're going to go pick up poop. You'd never do that if your boss asked you to do that at work. Hey, Johnson pooped in the hallway. We need you to go pick it up. No, you're going to go for an animal and pick up poop, okay? You have a special area of your property that you put this poop in. It's a lot, everybody. And you didn't buy that just to run food through an animal, right? You bought it because it's child abuse to not raise kids with a dog, right? You need a dog. You need a, not a cat. That's from the devil, but <laughs> you, need, you need a dog. And <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Psychologists will say that when you smile at somebody, it does something in them when you smile at them. It's why, men, we came up with our own thing. Like, it's the only appropriate way to touch another dude, and we can pretty much do it with everybody. We shake your hand. How are you doing? Good to see you. You know, that kind of thing. Touch, connection, that connection in life. You cannot live your life alone. Amen, somebody? And you need to realize that the narrative of Scripture, write this down, it's all about our calling to be the people of God. It's all written about God taking us in and making us a people, a set-apart people towards him. It's massive, full of examples. I think about how when Jesus came to earth, uh, he didn't come as the Messiah and say, hey, everybody, I'm the Messiah. Here's my 10 DVD set on everything you're going to need to know to follow me. If you have any questions, let me know. You're welcome, you know. No, Jesus came to this earth, and he ate meals with people. He talked with them. He answered questions. He preached messages. He traveled with them. You want to learn a lot about somebody? Travel with them, okay? And and breaking bread with them, and he knew what's going on in their life. He got intimately involved, and through his action and his words, they saw that he's the Messiah. 
They, they were moved in their heart. And it was relational in all of it. God wants to show himself to his people. And the Bible is the story of the people of God. Uh, I think about Moses, who was called to Egypt to set God's people free. He was, he was called to God's people. I think about Abraham, Father Abraham. I'm a son of him, and so are you. <laughs> Let me preach it the way I want. Um, Abraham was called of God to create a holy nation. This is a people. God's always called to a people. I think about Esther, who was called for such a time as this. Why? To bring deliverance to the people of God. There's power in us being a people. David, who went to go beat Goliath, it was a personal victory for him, for sure. And I'm not discounting in any of this your walk and your personal victories. I'm not. In fact, I think it's very important. But when, when David killed Goliath, it was a national victory for that nation, those people. He said, I'm going, to show, I'm going to show these people who their God is. I think about the 12 disciples. What were they doing? When Jesus ascended into heaven, they're writing letters to people in churches. They're starting churches. They're, they're talking and preaching with people. It's all, all of the Bible is a story about God calling his people home. And write this down. I want you never to forget this. People matter to God. It's all about God's relationship with people. That's why we started this church. Our vision statement here at New Chapel is that we are for people to connect with God and to be raised to new life in Christ. It starts out with we're for people. We want normal, everyday, ordinary people in Western Michigan to connect with a supernatural, miracle-working, mountain-moving God. That's the vision. Why? Because people matter to God. Say amen, somebody. Some of the great stories that you love of the Bible, they start out with these phrases of like, when they, or together they, or as one they. You'll read it over and over again because it's all about that people, the people of God making a difference. And what's the alternative? You do life all by yourself. You're self-reliant. Now, I'm raising my boys to be that rugged, individualist American that pull yourself up by your bootstraps, all of that. This is true, but it's coupled with a reliance on God. I fundamentally reject the, the uh, presupposition that you didn't build that. I can't, I can't go down that road with you. But I will say this. You can't do anything good outside of God. You need his giftedness that he gave you at birth all the way to his enabling power along the way. And I'm raising a family that trusts God for miracles, for big things. But we're doing this. And we're having to weigh out this, this philosophy of relying on God and not trusting on yourself, even though you're doing things with God. Proverbs puts it this way in Proverbs 28. Those who trust in themselves are fools. And those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Now, the Bible's not casting shade on you. It's not calling you names, saying you're a fool. You know, it's not like that. It's saying you're fooled. You think it's actually this way. You feel like you got to do it. you got to strive. you got to make something happen. And the Bible says that you're a fool. You're, you're being fooled in the whole process. It's different than that. And when people live their lives for themselves, it's a foolish way to live. You'll come up short. Uh, people say this, whether they say it out loud. Uh, some people say it with their actions. Well, I don't need all that community stuff. I don't need all of the connection. And, you know, this church is great. I like listening to the message. The worship's good here. But, like, uh, it's very people-y. I'm not hanging out in somebody's living room. That's a lot, you know. And, and, and I, I'm good by myself, Pastor Joe. I've got this. God, I've got this. I'm going to just do me. You're not saying you're going to make it about yourself, but in reality, that's what you're doing. 
And friend, let me just tell you, that's not wisdom. Proverbs says that in a multitude of counsel, those are relationship words, in a multitude of counsel, you'll find direction. So you're going to trust in yourself, you're going to be fooled. But if you have this counsel around you, some people in your life that can speak into your life, that's where you're going to have forward momentum. It's not all on you. You need someone in your life to tell you no. Do you have that person? I do. I think about, I have several, but I have Pastor Tommy. He's on the board. And uh, Pastor Tommy is a lifelong friend. I look up to him in so many ways, and he invests uh, in this church. He invests in me personally, my wife. And if I'm going through it, I'll call him up and throw him the problem because I'm not all on my own. Some of y'all look at me from the outside, and I get it. Uh, I'm becoming somewhat of a tall tale with giving away ARs and defying the government, but uh, I will. (laughs) That's fun. Um, I can't do it by myself. I have a team around me that many of you know. I have a very, very diligent team around me, and I've got great counsel in my life. I don't trust just in myself. The way we phrase it at New Chapel is we don't trust our own flesh. I'm not going to trust that I can just pull this off. Are we doing everything we can? Have we done our homework on this to make sure that we're not just resting on our own wisdom? Say amen, somebody. I talk with people uh, all the time, and, and, and many times they're going through things. And if I start talking to them, they'll convey a story, and, and they'll say different words, but here's what I hear. Nine chances out of ten, it's, it's something like this. Well, I got really busy, and then I kind of had to do my own thing, and I isolated, and uh, then I got stuck with my own thoughts, and then things spiraled downward. They don't say that. They say it a different way, but it starts with the isolation. They think I can do it all by myself, but the best of us understand we need a person or a people in our life who can put their hand on our back and say, you're not going down that road. You're not talking right right now. This isn't who you are. You need to sleep. If you just slept, you wake up, you'd see things different. Stop, stop being anxious about this. And you need someone like that in your life. Amen, somebody? Galatians 5, the Bible says that the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's a relational term. You are created for community. There's so many commands in the Bible you can't do in isolation. The Bible says, uh, mourn with those who mourn. Well, how are you going to mourn if you don't know anybody that's mourning? The Bible says, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. How are you going to rejoice with somebody if you don't hear any testimonies about somebody getting their breakthrough? There's a, there's a piece of your Christianity you will never get just listening to some recorded teaching and writing down fill-in-the-blanks. Friend, it is more than an ac- academic endeavor. You need relationship with somebody else. Say amen. Well, you say, Pastor, how do we fix that? How, how, do we, how do we change that in the body of Christ? So glad y'all asked. Y'all set me up good. The Bible says this in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. The Bible says, let us consider how. That's a very good question. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How do you do it? Not giving up meeting together. Is some are in the habit of doing. The Bible is outraged right here. The Bible is written under the presupposition that if you're born again, you are plugged into a local church. A Christian without a local church is an orphan. You need a family around you. He says, as some are in the habit of doing, what do we need to be doing? Meeting together and encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Capital T, capital D in many of your translations. It's talking about when Jesus returns for his church. And it's saying when you see that activity, 
man, you need to be meeting together even more. And I feel like in the last three years, many of us have forgotten what it's like to be told you can't worship. Pastor Joe, are we, are we in the end times? I want to say no, duh, but I'm just going to say yes. Let me tell you, you're there. Well, it's really busy, and I'm afraid that things are going to get a little bit too uh, active, and, and people are going to be biting against each other. There's a lot of drama going on in the world. I don't, I don't want any of that junk. Pastor, I'm, I'm good. No, the Bible says that when you see the end coming, all the more. We need to be gathering. All the more, we need to be together in this thing. All the more, you need to see other people who are worshiping. Some of y'all didn't know God could do something like this, like you're seeing at New Chapel. You're seeing it, and that alone lifts your faith. You need us, and frankly, we need you. We need you. Uh, Are you asking, or are you being asked by your kids, Dad, are we going to church on Sunday? Now, I believe in feeding the sheep most of the year, but uh, maybe once or twice a year we shear the sheep. I'm just going to say it how I have it written. If your kids are asking whether or not you're going to church or not, Dad, you're doing it wrong. Church has to be a fixture. They have to know. They look forward to it. They're engaged in all of it. And you say, well, Pastor, what about vacation? Look at me, everybody. If you're a Christian, you go to church. Go on vacation. I'm going on vacation. But go to church on vacation. And it's not the same as though you're with your regular church body, your family, but it's good for you to go there. Well, Pastor, what if we go to a church and there are a bunch of weirdos? Number one, take pictures and send them to me. (laughs) Number two, make a list of things you don't want New Chapel to be and be grateful for us. (laughs) But you need to go to church. Why? Because you're born again. You're Christian. You're you're part of the family. And you need to go and see that there's other parts of your family that are out there. And sometimes you all have a crazy cousin that shows up at at your family reunion. You might go to that church. (laughs) They're going to heaven, but you just don't want to know them here. Okay. (laughs) The Bible highlights a very interesting prayer. It's not the Lord's prayer. It's a different prayer. It's called the Lord's intercessory prayer. In many of your Bibles, it's headlined that way. And again, if Jesus was to walk in here, we were like, oh man, Lord, if you could pray us out. We're closing church, and you know, would you pray us out? He would pray something like this in so many words. Many theologians believe he's actively praying prayers like this to the Father right now. John 17. Jesus prays, I do not pray for these alone, big point in that, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, a a people, right, coming together as one, that the world, now check this, that the world may believe that you have sent me, that the world may believe that you have sent me, that the world may believe that you have sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. Your God is a trinity, three distinct personalities, one God. We're not polytheistic, we're monotheistic. It's one God, three personalities. But even though they have three different job descriptions, three different personalities, there's unity in diversity. There's a oneness out of three. And Jesus is saying, he's praying to God, you make them one just like we're one. Just like I'm in you and you're in me, I want this thing not to be a TV show, not to be something that we do for an hour on Sunday mornings, but a family that's making a difference together. Amen, somebody? And he says this very interesting part. He says, I pray that they be one in us 
that the world may believe that you have sent me. Is it any wonder that the world kind of checks out on the church and they look at us and they're like, you had 2,000 years to get together on a book and you can't figure that out. And then on summers we go and peace out. The Bible says that there is an element of our devotion to God in our church gathering that the world looks at and it makes them, they're, they're compelled. There's something attractive by, by, about a Christian that's for real and has this milestone in their life. Well, Pastor Joe, I mean, that's, that's a lot. That's the testimony that it is. It's a lot. And when you're faithful to God's house, man, I'm telling you, there is a unity in all of it. Write it down. How will the world ever be able to look at the church and know that we're legit? Write it down. They'll see God through our oneness. Now, I'm not saying you have to know everybody. Please don't invite yourself over for Christmas. But I'm just saying, like... There's a oneness out of all the different families that are coming here, and we're in agreement, and we're hearing the word together, and we have common mission. We're making a difference together. When that happens, there's a oneness here, and it is attractive to the world. They'll see our convictions. They'll see the fact that we don't scatter in the summer, and it draws them in. Say amen, somebody. Uh, from Christianity or the church's earliest times, you can read about it in Acts, our movement was formed by God's people coming together in oneness. And what happened? The church grew. It exploded, spread like wildfire. Why? Because there's power when we have oneness. We need to show our doubting family. We need to show our coworkers. We need to show uh, our schools and our friends, our homes, that, that God has first place in our life. We need to show a vibrant relationship with God through an active and vibrant church community. Pastor Joe, why has New Chapel taken so much ground? Simple answer, because of your buy-in. I can't do this thing alone. This is not the Joe show. I told you I have a team, and I've got a go team, and I've got a church that's behind everything that God is doing through New Chapel. And that buy-in has been the thing that has fueled all of the fruit that we've seen. But listen to me. I'm asking for your buy-in today. I need it. Partners, all hands on deck. I brought up for you Living in Freedom, the event coming up on July 2nd, and it's going to be amazing. Uh, I told you that Justin Barclay is going to be preaching. It'll be an awesome message, all the raffles, the, the big event to all of it. And, and the idea in doing this, again, it's not to put on an event. It's to open our doors to the community and to reach people who are far from God so that people can connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. And so as we put this event on, the origins were because we were told, no, you can't meet. And that's my love language for I'm going to meet. Watch me. (laughs) And I want to make sure as your pastor that we haven't forgotten that and that we keep this meeting, even on this Independence Day weekend, is this memorial to the fact that we were tried to be shut down. We didn't. And that God blessed it because we took a stand. And so I'm asking for your buy-in. Ushers, if you could come forward and very quickly hand those out. Hand them out to everything. In fact, I need you to run. Y'all are going about half speed. Right over there, half speed. Run, 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 run. (laughs) Hand them out row by row. Go ahead and hand them out. Here's what I'm asking for. If we have a big day, whether that is Easter Sunday or Christmas, uh, everybody shows up on Easter. Everybody at New Chapel shows up at Christmas. And we're about 30 to 40% higher in attendance on a big day if we know that the church is going to be here. And my friend, I think it would be a shame for us to put on this great event and we have a whole bunch of visitors come in from from the community and then half the church is over in Grand Haven. 
I'm not anti-Grand Haven. In fact, I plan on wearing that sand out this summer. (laughs) But I need your buy-in, and especially on the Living in Freedom Sunday. And here's what I'm asking. If you're saying, hey, pastor, I'm in on this, I need you to write your name down, your spouse's name, and and the number of kids that you're going to be bringing with you. I need to know who's got my back. And I'm asking for your engagement in this. Is it a sacrifice? Listen to me. Look at me, everybody. Yes, I know exactly what I'm asking for of you, and it is a sacrifice. But I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't say to God, God, I'll go to the cross, but listen, Passover is a holiday weekend. It's not really good for me. We're going to go to the lake, to Capernaum, and then we're going to zip back next week. Oh, pastor, you're putting on pretty thick. Look at me. I have a license to do this. Love is not convenient. It rarely is. Now, here's the good news. The whole world doesn't know what day to celebrate this on. It's, it's such a weird thing. And so you're going to have people celebrating on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, some on Sunday. But I think Independence Day is actually on a Tuesday. So weird, right? And so this is actually a really good year for this because it's going to fit into your schedule. If you come, you're going to love it. You're going to have a riot. We'll get you in and out out of service and then the, the event going on. It's way better than anything you have planned. I'm going to tell you another thing. You want to go see fireworks? Look at all the days that fireworks are going to be happening because nobody knows when to do it. They can't, you cannot get everybody together on what we're going to do it on Friday. It's not going to work. And so it's going to be happening all the time. You're not going to miss out. This is going to be a great addition, but I'm making the big ask. And the big ask is that you let me know that you're here. I need my church here so that when we open our doors big to this community, we fill out this place. And we show them that there's a church in Grand Rapids that doesn't go to the lake all summer, that our doors are open, will remain open, and we're for people to connect with God and be raised to a new life in Christ. That's what we need to do. And so please write that down. Let me know that you're going to be here. Love is not always convenient. Why do we do what we do? Why do we give off uh, uh, time that we have that we could be spending in another way? Why, why do we do that? Give up free time. First John chapter 4. We love him because he first loved us. It's the least we can do. And I honestly think that this is going to be our biggest event ever. Uh, if you'd like to sign up to serve, you can please over at that display. But let me just tell you, this is going to be the great blessing to your summer. When you see people accept Christ and get baptized, and we didn't put the brakes on, but your church was bold and hit the gas in the summer, that's a church that you're going to be proud to be a part of. And here's what I know. When we get together and we create that oneness, when we build relationships together, when we make a difference on the same team, it rallies a church together. Something powerful and something spiritual happens, and I know that that gathering will draw the world in. I say we take the hill Who's with me? (laughs) Heavenly Father, we love you. And everything that we do is for you. God, I pray that our relationships at this church would go to the next level. God, I pray that you would bless this event, make it the most successful that we've ever had. God, I pray that this would be a sizzling summer at this church. Lord, as I preach this message and people hear about a God that loves them, of a church that is willing to go through great lengths to reach people far from God, there's anyone in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, help me to find them. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for another minute, no stirring or moving around. If you came into the room and and your life's not right with God, I want to give you the opportunity to know God. 
The only way to know God is through his son, Jesus. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, calls on Jesus, will be saved. It's calling him Lord. It's it's stopping relying on yourself, and it's beginning to rely on the God that made you. Lord means boss. So if you're ready for that, the Bible says that you'll be saved. That is eternity in heaven, but it's also an abundant and victorious life today. Eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts the moment that you accept Jesus. So if that's you, I want to pray with you. In church, I want you to pray with them, both in support of them and as a declaration of your faith. Let's all pray this out loud. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, have a great weekend, guys. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.